Hey everybody, it's Andy. Welcome or welcome back to the Decatur City Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, we would love it if you would take just a moment to download the Decatur City Church app where you can find access to all of our recent message content. And the app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend. But most importantly, I hope you enjoy the following presentation and I hope it inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Well, it's so good to be with everybody. Uh, so good to see you. I know we've got a lot of people face-to-face, and we've got a lot of people online today. We've got some of our other churches with us as well, Decatur City Church and uh, some of our other partner churches. My name's Clay. I'm really uh, grateful to get to be in this moment talking about what we're talking about today, the last resort. What do we do when we've run out of options? What do we do when we've tried everything else to try and we're at the end of our rope and we don't know where else to turn? That's what we've been talking about in this series. Uh, I, went to, um, I went to Georgia Tech to college, studied engineering, but then I went to seminary and got a degree in theology. And while I was in school there, I took some preaching classes. So what you're experiencing today, um, it's, uh, it's something I've been trying to work on for a long time. But what they teach you in the classes sometimes doesn't always work and sometimes it doesn't always cross over. What they teach you in the classes, they say, hey, when you start a sermon, you wanna start with some kind of story, some kind of interesting story about yourself. One of my crutches, one of my problems, is I try to make those stories funny, um, which sometimes works and sometimes it doesn't work. Uh, it, oh, but what I found is, is sometimes the text, sometimes the scripture that, we're, that you're looking at for the day is so engaging, you don't need a story. You don't need anything up front. And so today we're just gonna jump right in. I just wanna start with this real simple question. And then we're gonna look at this story that um, it's an interaction that somebody had with Jesus that's just filled with twists and turns and ups and downs and surprises and plot twists all throughout it. Uh, I hope, uh, my hope is that you'll be engaged with it. But even more than that, my hope is that you'll find some hope in it as we learn a little bit about who Jesus is and the way he interacted with people. So we're just gonna try to answer this question right here. Is, is Jesus, is he worth following? I, I know some of you, I can see you'd give a head nod to that and maybe you'd go, yeah, sure, he's worth following. And maybe others of you are still trying to figure that out. Maybe you've got your own person that you follow or your own crew that you follow or your own way that you're following but what this series is, what we've been doing is we've been looking at Mark chapter five, just one chapter out of the account uh, that Mark gives us of Jesus's life. Three examples of people who were completely out of options. They had tried everything and everything had been tried on them. It's really, it's a three act play showcasing these types of people that Jesus, fortunately, that Jesus still rescues Today, uh, we started this series looking at the dreamer, this man named Jairus, who was, he was living the dream. He, he, he was dialed in spiritually as a religious leader. He had status in the community and he had a daughter who was the apple of, of his eye, the darling of the family. And like many of us, he sought Jesus, maybe just to try to figure out his own struggling dream this dream that he had for his family, this dream that he had for his future. 
Maybe he came to Jesus to use Jesus, but what he ended up finding was that Jesus placed himself right in the center of Jairus' life and in the center of Jairus' dream that Jesus was far more powerful than Jairus could even imagine, far more personable than Jairus may have even imagined. That was the first week. And then last week, uh, April spoke and it was just masterful. And she talked about, not the dreamer, but she talked about the schemer. She talked about this lady who had schemed her way to get the healing that she had longed for. And though she, she had faith in Jesus's power, she didn't seem to have any interest in his acquaintance. She really only wanted to just touch his clothes to get what she needed, to go unnoticed. And, and the confrontation that she had with Jesus, the interaction she had, maybe it terrified her. And though sometimes we do fear him, as we're gonna talk about today, he always stops to interact with his sons and his daughters. And in the case of the dreamer, in the case of Jairus, we learn that Jesus is more personal, that he's more personal than we can imagine, even to those who consider themselves religious people, that it's far more than just religion when you start interacting with Jesus. It becomes a relationship. And to this lady, he, Jesus proved that he's, he's within reach. He's always within reach, reminiscent of those of us who have maybe reached out to him. Maybe we know about him, but we finally reached out to him and grasped for him. Finally, today, we're gonna talk about this, this man, uh, not the dreamer, not the schemer, but in this man's case, he was the screamer. He cried out for Jesus because he was so far gone. And it reminds me of people who feel that way. Maybe you felt that way. Different times in my life, I have experienced that. And the great news is, is that no matter how far away we think we are, we, we find that God is always pursuing us. I, I am, uh, I'm excited about jumping into this one. So let's... Um, Let's get into it. If you, if you have a Bible, you can turn to Mark 5. If you have a device that you use, you can turn to Mark 5. Or if you just have an incredible memory, you can just pull up Mark 5. But this is Mark 5, verse 1. This is Mark's account. Here's what happened. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus got out of the boat, he was greeted by someone, a man with an impure spirit, came from the tombs to meet him. This was not an ambassador from the Chamber of Commerce. This was not someone from the welcome wagon. This was your worst nightmare. This is a man that was possessed by these impure spirits, by these demons. And honestly, the more I've gotten into it, the more I've struggled with this idea. I was actually telling my wife about it yesterday. She said, hey, what are you talking about tomorrow? I started telling her and she was like, did you pick that or did somebody pick that for you? And I was like, I actually chose it. But once I got into it, I was like, how do you talk about demons? How do you talk about impure spirits? But then I was reminded of what C.S. Lewis said. C.S. Lewis said this in the introduction of his famous work, Screwtape Letters. He says, hey, one of the one of the issues that sometimes we have is that we obsess over demons. We shouldn't do that. But he said, but at the same time, you shouldn't dismiss demons as well, that there is this other side of life that we don't talk about, this unseen part of life that we just don't wanna mention. And the more I started thinking about it, I thought, well, here we are 
in the middle of Atlanta. I mean, we're the city where they've shot the show Walking Dead and Vampire Diaries and Avengers. So of anyone, surely we can imagine, we can think through, we can get past just what it is that we see to recognize there may just be another side of life. And so if that's your jam, today, hopefully, today's your day. But this man greeted him. This man lived in the the tombs. This man lived among the dead. This man lived in an area that was that was unclean for Jewish people to live. If you, if you were around a dead body, you had to go and you had to shelter in place. You had to go be socially distanced. You had to go and cleanse yourself for seven days. And so he was just constantly around dead people. So he was constantly unclean. And as we saw last week, similar to this lady who had this hemorrhaging problem, If you were unclean, it was a huge, huge issue. Bigger than whatever it was that was even ailing you. You couldn't be around people. People didn't want to be around you. And sometimes, as we learned last week, what we need more than healing is for someone to tell us that we're not, that we're not dirty. For someone to ascribe to us who we are, that we actually have dignity, that we have the image of God stamped on our soul. This is what Jesus is going to remind this man who was in this society. He was the worst of the worst. People were terrified of this man. In fact, they had tried to tie him down. They had tried to actually tame him, but no one, no one could bind him anymore. Not even with a chain. Mark reiterates this. He says, Next verse, for he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. This word subdue is the same word that we would use to to talk about taming a wild animal. This man was in bondage, even though he had broken all the chains and broken all the ways that people had tried to tie him down. This man was so conflicted on the inside. Now, here you all are looking all nice today, sitting there just in your right mind, hopefully. And it's hard to relate to this, right? I mean, we think like, what, I mean, I don't, you know, we just don't understand what it's like to be out of our mind. But here's one of the connections that I think we need to make with this man is that the things that hold us in bondage the things that tie us down, the, the, the chains that try to wrap themselves around our wrists and our ankles, they're just different than what this man was facing. Maybe you have the, this like constant need to be approved by others, this constant need to be accepted by others. Maybe you have this constant need for stuff. You can't get rid of it. As soon as something new's released, you gotta go have it and you're constantly looking around for that thing Maybe you have this low level of addiction. I mean, you're, you're operating, you're making it, you're, 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 getting, you're able to get up and get moving, but you've just got this thing that you just can't kick. I, I remember hearing of this news story a couple of years ago where this lady had died from drinking nail polish remover. She was a recovering alcoholic who had kicked the habit, but just 
finding something that would just meet that need in her. And so she would just sip on nail polish remover. And I remember hearing that story, thinking about all the little things that I do, all the little things that I do that just keep me moving, keep me going along, those little things that hold us down, those little chains, those little, those little forms of bondage. It, it's not always the hard stuff, but it's the stuff that we know is just not good and we just can't kick it. Those are the things that chain us. Those are the things that hold us in bondage. And it leaves us in agony as this man was as well. Look at what Mark says, night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and he would cut himself with stones. This man was miserable. He, he, this man was in agony. Unfortunately, th- this idea of cutting himself with stones, I mean, this is not something new. This is something that people continue to do. My, in my previous life, I spent a lot of time working with teenagers and it was always such a depressing thing to see the arms of a teenager just cut up from cutting. And when, when you first hear about it, you think, why would someone do that? How could someone do that? But what you learn is that those little, those little cuts, they just create this minor pain. And the minor pain distracts us from the major issues that are going on inside of us. And so this man would do the same thing in an attempt to just get away from it, in an attempt to distract himself, to, to, to get out of the agony, to have to be distracted from or removed from the pain. He just was cutting himself. And the problem sometimes with us is we just don't know how much better it could be on the other side. When you're in the middle of agony like that and pain like that, you just can't see how good it could be. And in his case, it was, it was as if he had no other choice. This man had done everything that he knew to do and he's living out in the tombs, couldn't even be chained, couldn't even be subdued, crying out, cutting himself with the stones. And then, look at what Mark says. And then he saw Jesus. He he saw Jesus from a distance. Maybe that's you today. Maybe somebody invited you. Maybe you don't consider yourself a church person. Or maybe, maybe you are and you've just been holding it together and just trying to figure out what to do with all that discouragement that's inside of you. Have you you noticed that, that there's a significant amount of discouragement in our society today? Now, I don't mean disappointment. We have disappointment where we're just disappointed with people, you know, momentary things that happen, you know, oh, somebody showed up late. Okay, well, I'm disappointed with them. And and I don't mean depression. I mean that, that prolonged period where you just can hardly even get out of bed. No, I just mean that, that low hum of discouragement of just life isn't working out like I thought it would. Life is not going like I wanted it to go. It's that hopelessness, that agony that comes in this real low form that sometimes we don't know what to do with. And today, here's the beauty of the potential that lies in front of us today is that in the same way that this man saw Jesus from a distance, Today, maybe you have the opportunity, I believe you do, to see Jesus from a distance. 
And look at what this man did. I, I, I love this. He, he didn't miss his opportunity. His wrist was not broken. It was his chance to shoot his shot. And he did. Here's what happened. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. Now, if I were Jesus, I would have been like, whoa, what in the world? I mean, that would have startled me, scared me out of my own mind, right? Maybe you as well, but not Jesus. Jesus is not scared off by this man. He's not turned off by this man. He's not put off by this man. Jesus is not alarmed by this man. Even though this man comes and falls at Jesus's feet and shouts at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus? Son of the most high God, in God's name, don't torture me. What is that about? Why, why would he think that, that Jesus's first instinct would be to torture him? Why would he think that, that Jesus's first response to him would be, how dare you, how dare you, how dare you? You deserve all the pain that you're experiencing. I guess it was just so bad that people had told him over and over again, here's what God thinks about you. Here's what the church thinks about you. Here's what Jesus would think about you. And so his instinct was just to run and fall at Jesus's feet and say, hey, don't, don't, don't torture me. What, what do you want with me, son of the most high God? Here's what's a little bit complicated about this. And I've read numerous commentaries is we don't even really know is that the demon speaking out from him or is this the man speaking out from him? Jesus in a minute, we're gonna see, interacts directly with the spirit that's inside of this man. And so we don't even know, is this man saying this or is this some form of spirit inside of him saying this? We, we don't really even know, but it's a profound question. What do, you, what do you want with me? Maybe you've asked something similar to that. God, what, what, I don't know what else could be happening. It, it reminds me of Job from the Old Testament who lost everything over and over again. More suffering and more suffering and more suffering. And I would imagine he got to the point where he just asked the same question, God, what, what is it? What do you want with me? Maybe that's how some of you have felt. Maybe it's been sickness after sickness. Maybe it's been job after job, maybe career problems, financial problems, relational problems. And you finally got to the point where you go, God, I don't even know, what, what do you want with me? What do you want with me? I don't think it's a... I don't think it's a question that we really want the answer to. It's an expression of the anger that was inside of him from the pain that he was dealing with. Maybe he was so concerned that God might ask something of him that he didn't have. Maybe you felt that way. But before Jesus deals with this man, he deals with what's inside of this man. Jesus immediately commands the spirit, Jesus said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. Come out of this man, you spirit. And then Jesus tenderly and kindly asked this man, Jesus says, hey, what, what is your name? What's, what's your name? Yeah, I, I, hopefully you've heard this before, but God doesn't just want a bunch of do's and don'ts for, from you. God wants a relationship with you. The creator of the universe, son of the most high God is asking this tormented and tortured man, hey, what's your name? Can we get to know each other? 
I would imagine he'd do the same thing to us. Hey, I'm less concerned about what you've been through and what you've done in the past, what you did on Saturday night or on Friday night. I I just want to know. I want to know you. I want you to know me. Let's have a relationship. This is what's beautiful about Jesus. But instead, this seems like the spirit in this man, the impure spirit, the demons in this man. I say demons because of what he says. He couldn't even tell Jesus his name. These demons answer and say, well, my name is Legion, which means many, for we are many. The word Legion actually means many. And he says, I'm Legion, for we are many, meaning there are lo- there's loads of stuff in me. There's loads of brokenness in me. And then this is, um, th- this is amazing. And it's hard to even fathom uh, what to do with this or how important this is, but he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. And so it's it's as if these spirits are begging Jesus. Just wanna give you a heads up. There's a lot of begging in this story. It starts with this man falling on his knees, begging Jesus. And now it seems these demons inside of him are begging Jesus again and again not to send them out of this area. We're gonna see other begging coming up. But Jesus sees, or these demons see, a large herd of pigs, hello bacon, feeding on the nearby hillside. A large herd of them. So there's just some farmer over there who's just chilling, minding his business, herding these these pigs. Loads of them, we're gonna find out. It was about 2,000 of them. Significant amount of swine. And and the demons, the demons begged Jesus again, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. The demons are begging Jesus. The demons are recognizing the authority of Jesus. Jesus. They had been tormenting this man because they knew they could take him. But they bump into Jesus and realize, oh no, we have a problem. We cannot overtake this one. The the evil forces themselves, themselves, they recognize the authority of Jesus. This is just important for us to know that Jesus has jurisdiction over everything we see and over everything we cannot see. Jesus has the authority over everything we see and all the invisible forces that we cannot see. I I, I thought about that little verse that Paul gave us where he says, for your battle, your fight, it's oftentimes not against flesh and blood, but it's against the evil forces of this dark world. So many times our struggle, our battle, our fight, it's not against each other, but it's against the evil forces that are at play behind the scenes that we can't see. And even these demons are recognizing and Jesus, this man, this God himself, the God himself in flesh has authority over them. So if the demons recognize Jesus's authority, maybe we should recognize his authority too. I mean, what, what, what changes in our life when we recognize his authority? Well, anytime you recognize anyone's authority, our natural inclination is to 
either fight or to flight or to just submit and surrender. I, I, I mean, there's, it seems there's nothing he can't heal or fix. And when all else doesn't work out, he's still at work. He's still working. He's still on the move. And so why not just go ahead and submit to this authority, this jurisdiction that he has over all that we see and don't see? So Jesus responds to the demons. They say, hey, would you just send us into these pigs? And so Jesus did just that. He gave them permission. And look at what happened. <laughs> this is wild. The impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank and into the lake and were drowned. Really rough day for this farmer, right? And I know we laugh about it, but, and I, and I, I do too. I mean, I remember hearing this story as a kid. It was one of my favorite stories as a kid, you know, because it's just wild to think about these 2,000 pigs rushing down this steep bank into this body of water drowning themselves. That's how bad these spirits were. But honestly, this was tragic for this man. This was tragic because this was this man's livelihood. And I, I, I surely hope to think that Jesus somehow went back, I'm sure he did, and made it right for this man, made it okay for this man. But everyone who saw this, they just couldn't fathom this. I'm sure it made for a great story. I would listen to that story. <laughs> I am listening to that story. I mean, it's a pretty amazing event that happened that day. That those tending the pigs, they ran off and they reported this to the town and to the countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. So, so a period of time passes. Enough time where the, these men, these herdsmen, they go into the city and they tell everyone, maybe in anger, maybe in astonishment, maybe in amazement, but they tell people, they rehearse back all that had happened. And it seems that the people that were listening are now having this conflict. What's gonna be the headline? What's gonna be the headline? What's gonna be the lead story? Farmer loses 2,000 pigs to a bunch of demons or the man that lived out in the tombs has his life changed. What's gonna be the story? What happened to this man or the economic loss that these people face? And so people from the town come out to see this. They come out to see well, what, 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 what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they saw the man, look at this, who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed and in his right mind. I love that little line. They came and they found the man. He was dressed and he was in his right mind. And, and, and so they what? So they cheered, they congratulated this man. They said, no way. They said, way to go. They said, this is amazing. This is awesome. You gotta be so happy. Maybe they thanked Jesus. Maybe they told him about their own problems. Maybe they went and found other people who had similar issues and said, you gotta come to Jesus. No, that's not what happened. Here, here's what Mark tells us. He says, when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressing in his right mind and they were... 
They were afraid? Does that, does that emotion match the situation? They were afraid? Afraid of what? What, what, were, they, what were they scared of? I mean, what, would, what did they have to be afraid of? This, this situation that had just happened, Jesus changed this ravaging savage into a calm, sedate, rational person for the good of this man, for the good of the society. We, we, we use this line all the time. We say, hey, Jesus makes your life better and he makes you better at life, which is true. Jesus made this man's life better and made him way better at life. I would say any improvement in this man's life would have been making him better at life. Life wasn't exactly going great for him. And while that's all really true that he does make your life better and he does make you better at life, he does shake things up a bit. <laughs> he changes things. Sometimes radical change. And sometimes that's scary. Sometimes that makes us afraid. I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know what you're gonna ask of me. I don't know where we're going with this. Do you remember being in school where you had a test that maybe you didn't study for or maybe you got surprised by? Do you remember praying that prayer? God, if you allow me to pass this test, I will move anywhere in the world to be a missionary for you. Is it just me that prayed that prayer? And he sent me here, amazing. No, some of you prayed that prayer as well. And, and then afterwards, maybe you pass the test and then you're like, no, well, I mean, I, I don't know. And sometimes we get afraid of that, just the full on, you can have my whole life surrender. Why is that so scary? The amazing thing is, is that whether we surrender our whole life to him or not, he is so powerful that he can do whatever he wants to do in our life, whether we give him permission to or not. And sometimes that's alarming. Sometimes that feels scary because I, I, I don't know what you're gonna ask of me. I mean, I, are you gonna ask me to sell my car? You gonna ask me to give money away or are you gonna ask me to marry somebody that I don't know, maybe is really good at Bible studies, but I'm not really like that into? Are you gonna send me to Africa? Are you gonna send me to Asia? Are you gonna send me to Europe? Are you gonna send me across the world somewhere out? Like, what are you gonna do? I don't know, I don't know. I just would rather, I would rather not. And so look at what these people, look at what they did. So in their fear, the, the people, the people who had seen it, they, they told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and, and they told everybody about the pigs as well. And so the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. Can you believe that? After what he had just done, they're like, uh-uh, like, I, I, I don't want any piece of that. Like if, if this man has the power to change that crazy wild man's life, I, I, I don't, who knows what he might do with me. I, I would just assume him just leave. 
Listen, my, my hope today is that maybe instead of being afraid of Jesus, instead of in fear asking him to leave, that we might just say, hey, I'm just gonna bring my fear to you. This makes me nervous because I don't know what you're gonna do with me. I don't know what you're gonna ask of me. I don't know what's gonna happen to me, but you can do whatever you wanna do. And so I'm just telling you, you, you can have your way. This is what happened to the demon-possessed man. Of course he would. The demon-possessed man was like, hey, I am all in. I bought the jersey. I bought season tickets. I'm all in on this Jesus guy. I don't even know where we're headed. I don't know what it's gonna be about, but he has radically changed my life and I'm, I'm all in. And so as Jesus is getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed, here he goes again, begged to go with Jesus. Some of you, that's where you are. You're like, listen, if you knew where I came from and if you knew what he's done with me, you would have been right there on that dock begging Jesus to go with him as well. And some of you feel like that's where you are. Others of you are just not so sure. But this is interesting. Jesus, in this man's case, Jesus did not let him go. Jesus said, no, I've got something else for you. He said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. I know you wanna come with me and that's awesome, that's terrific, but I got something else for you. I want you to go back and I want you to tell people. I want you to testify. I want you to be a testimony. I want you to let others know. And so the man went away and he began to tell everyone in the Decapolis, the, the middle of the city, how much Jesus had done for him. He did just that. He just went and told everybody. And all the people, of course they were. They were amazed. They couldn't believe it. Right, the crazy man that was living out by the tombs, that's you? You've got to be kidding me. So, so where, does that, where does that leave us? What, what is this all about? This is the biggest thing I wrestled with. What's the whole point of this whole story? I and mean, what do you think the whole point is? What's the whole point of this story? The, the whole point is just that Jesus is the man. That Jesus is God. That Jesus has authority over everything. That Jesus is so powerful, but he's so personable. And yeah, it's a little scary. And yeah, it's a little terrifying. But whether we surrender to him or not, He's gonna do what he wants to do. And so why not be this man whose life has been changed by him and just come to him and say, you can have it all. You can have it all. I'm all yours. I, I think the main point is just this, that Jesus is, he's just showing off his power so that you'll say yes to the invitation to follow him. He's just showing you, hey, I, I am all powerful. I, I typically don't make people do what they don't want to do. I want to give you the free will to be able to choose, but you would be wise to just choose, to choose to follow. Would you just choose to follow me? Say, yes, I'm giving you this invitation. I'm inviting you in. Are there going to be moments where it's scary? Yes. Maybe you're at a crossroads in your career and it feels scary. And you're trying to do everything you can do to manipulate the situation and to get everything just right. And maybe all he wants you to do is just say, okay, I give up, yes. Maybe 
you had an idea for what family would look like and it hasn't gone the way you would want it to be and you're trying to figure it out and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with planning and determining and, and, and making, making backup plans to the backup plans, but maybe all he wants you to do is just say, okay, uh, uncle, monkey, mercy, I, okay, I'm at, whatever you need, yes, I'm in, I'm in. Whatever is in the future, I just wanna let you know, I, I'm in. You know, right before this in Mark 4, Jesus is on the boat with his disciples and he's sleeping, he's taking a nap. Some of you were like, that's the way it feels like God is in my life right now. It feels like he's asleep. And they were so scared about the wind and the rain. And so they go and wake Jesus up and they go, Jesus, come on, what are you doing? And Jesus just goes out and calms the storm. He just calms, he says, stop, quit. He shows that he has the power over the wind and the rain and the thunder and the lightning. And then he shows through this man that he has the power over all of the unseen. And then he shows Jairus that he's far more powerful than any power that a religion has to offer. And then he shows this bleeding woman that there is no disease, no sickness that he doesn't have the power over. It's as if he's telling all of these people the same thing that he told that little girl, Jairus's daughter, where he tells her, Talitha Kum, just little girl, stand up, get up, rise. I've got more for you. I've got something for you. You don't have to be afraid. Am I powerful? Yes, but I'm tender and I'm personable and I love you. And if it's been a journey for you, if you're at the end of your rope and you're at your last resort, he's just asking this question. Will, will you choose to trust me? Will you choose to trust him? Will you just open up your hands? Will you open up your heart, open up your life and just say, okay, I trust you. I trust you. I'm telling you, trust is the way relationships work. It's hard to have a relationship that isn't built on trust. And so would you just trust him? And then secondly, would you choose to follow him? Would you choose to just say, yes, I don't know what it means. I don't know what it means for you to follow him. Maybe it does mean he wants you to move. Maybe it does mean he wants you to change jobs. Maybe it does mean he wants you to see a different future. Maybe it does mean that he wants you to let go of whatever that picture of the future is and just say, yes. He calmed the storm. He has more power than religion. He has authority over all diseases and sickness. He's proved that he has the power over everything that's unseen. And he's shown that there's no one beyond his love and his grace. Everyone is within reach of him. All you have to do is just open up your hands, open up your heart and say, yes, I need you. So today, I just wanna give you a chance to do that. I wanna give you a chance to do what this man did, to Maybe not literally fall at his feet. You might wanna do that, but maybe figuratively in your heart to fall at his feet and say, what, what do you want with me? Whatever you want with me, the answer, the answer's yes. The answer's yes. So if you would, would you close your eyes? Would you bow your head? I just wanna give you a chance to do that. Uh, sometimes there are moments in life where we need to, we need, symbolically, where we need to make a moment out of it. And so if that's you today and you feel like, you know what, I, I am at my last resort and I need his power, I need his command, I need his touch, I need his love, I need his mercy. I'm done trying on my own, I'm out of options. If you would be willing today to just say, I need him, would you just raise your hand? I'd love to just pray for you, but I'd also love for you to just admit that. Yeah, I see that, that's awesome. A bunch of hands. Anybody else? You would just say, yeah, that's me. I need him. 
Father, you, um, you see all those hands and you know all those hearts. And so today we just recognize that you have all the power. God, every single one of us in some way or another is facing something that we just don't know what to do. We don't know where to turn. And so I just pray today that every single person, whether they put their hand up or not, whether they're sitting at in front of a computer or watching on their phone or wherever they are, that maybe today they would just recognize your power, recognize how big you are, recognize how good you are. And they would just tell you that simple statement of yes, 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 yes. I'll follow, I'll follow. So we ask you that. Um, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, amen.